Hey guys, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing line that proceeds of the shirts and tanks and everything else goes to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. So um, this all came about with me and seeing a five-year-old girl in the emergency department uh, that had a new onset of diabetes. So uh, just take a look at the website. It's www type1lifting.com so just check it out if you don't buy anything that's perfectly fine uh, I would just like for you just to take a look and just see what we have so like I said before www.type1lifting.com and guys I hope you enjoy the show guys welcome to another episode of the type 1 lifting podcast I have an awesome guest I'm actually really excited to talk to this young this young lady uh, her name is Linda Franklin how's everything going great good here. yeah yeah I, I actually I actually connected with you through actually a friend uh, through Instagram pretty much she actually sent me over to your page and I, I was in absolute awe of you know, you being a power lifter, a type one diabetic, and your your age as well. So, which is which is ama- which is amazing. So, uh, my, usually my first question to the diabetics um, in the group. So, when did you get diagnosed as a as, as a diabetic? Well, um, I know I've heard you say that you were in your thirties. I was in my mid twenties. I was twenty six. Okay. And that was in nineteen eighty two. Okay. So, you know, we're going back to the dinosaur age here. Yeah. Um, but the thing with uh, that year was special because that was the year that human insulin came on the market. Oh, very so cool. So I never had to do beef or pork, although I had to do the cloudy and clear mixing and all that stuff and, you know, multiple injections a day. But um, that was that was interesting Yeah. to be diagnosed that year. So- my, my doctor actually told me, Hey, you know, uh, you're lucky. This is the year they're bringing it onto the market. Yeah, so, which is pretty cool. So how did how did you check your sugars like back back then? Because like obviously I, I started like I got diagnosed like pretty much five years ago. So I don't know like back in the '80s how they did it. Yeah, well, it was uh, there were blood sugar meters, but they weren't available widely. So I actually peed on sticks, diet sticks. Okay. So to keep them blue. You know, you don't want them to turn, you want it to be turquoise blue. So every time I ate, you know, I would test myself by a urine sample. And uh, it was pretty bad for most most of the time. Yeah. And then I got, I think I got my first meter a couple years later. Okay. And, you know, it took like forever to get a result. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're sitting there. And yeah, so I started off with uh, peeing on diet sticks. Wow, that's crazy. That that's yeah. That's, it, it, it's, things have changed a lot, you know. Yeah. And when I got my meter, got the blood sugar uh, pricker or whatever you want to call it, the Lancet device. It was known as the guillotine, which <laughs> you know it, you could see the Lancet going down into your finger, like just you know, like you're a red beak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's so, that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, well. I mean, so so how how did you when you got diagnosed in your twenties, like how did how did you handle that throughout the years and you know last like having diabetes for that long now? 
Well, um, first off, I uh, I was in bodybuilding. I was doing bodybuilding. I just got into it and was there were a few people in the gym saying, hey, you really need to go further with this, and, but you need to put on weight, you know, and I was just eating and I would stop at Wendy's and I'd order two hamburgers, milkshakes, fries, the whole works, go home and then be up all night peeing and drinking tons of water and pretty soon, you know, it didn't take long. I, um, for females, a, a symptom of type 1 diabetes is severe yeast infections which I was having and I went to go get checked and beat into a cup of the doctor's office and he said, you need to go get some blood work done. So I went to the lab, I was there. Back then it was like a six hour test. So you sat there all day long drinking yeah. syrup, then they check you again. It wasn't just like a finger stick and yeah, you're diabetic. Yeah. This was an all day event. And by the time I found out it was 800, my blood sugar. Wow. So I, uh, yeah, it was nuts. But um, I went to the doctor, and he told me, you know, you're going to have to take insulin. And I hyperventilated my first injection. I said, no, I'll just go home. I'll eat lettuce all weekend, which is what I did. And I uh, came back on Monday, tried again to inject, and I kind of flipped out. You know, I just really couldn't handle it. And then I um, told him, you know, is there any other way? I was at 26. You yeah. know, my parents weren't around. My boyfriend and I were, you know, we're still married. 40 some years later but congratulations but it was yeah he's a scientist so he got out the books and read all about it this is what you need to do you know back then it was probably quite a bit not a lot different but avoiding carbs mm-hmm. because at that point i didn't really have any other options other than to take insulin so i started on pills that were type 2 pills and i lasted for a few months till i was taking max doses i was just very very stubborn yeah i wouldn't go on insulin he never hospitalized me or anything but he knew i was type one but back then in 82 when you're 26 everybody's like you can't be type one you know it's just nobody knew about there wasn't even a term lot of and uh so i ended up going to ucsf to do a research study and they did up all kinds of tests on me see peptide and all all this stuff and um sure enough you know my doctor knew too though that i was type one Mm -hmm. so um but basically just a lot of finger sticks um ended up started with two injections a day and by the time before i switched over to a pump i was doing eight to ten injections a day wow yeah yeah and it didn't mean that anything was getting worse it was the fact that I was mismanaging my diabetes mm-hmm. that was stacking insulin and everything else and I was a mess yeah so so we you... switched over yeah and I think it was 2000 some something like that yeah okay like 2001 I switched over to a pump okay so were you trying to still do the bodybuilding throughout the whole time when you got first diagnosed no. or you just took a break I stopped. Yeah. I stopped. I tried to get better, uh, you know, and then um, I've always been really active. I'm a tomboy. Always have been. Mm-hmm. Always will be. And I, after the bodybuilding thing, I stopped, but I did have a love for lifting weights. It introduced me to that, and it made me realize that that was something I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. And so I went to, um, I went to just basically cycling running and then to the once I got a handle on things we did a lot of hiking went to 
gems and just did the the bro thing and (laughs) (laughs) probably none of it was right but I still stayed in fairly decent shape yeah but with a lot of ups and downs Mm -hmm. nothing it wasn't like hills and valleys it was more like mountain ranges and yeah gutters yeah no I, I I completely understand like when I when I first got diagnosed I literally did my first injection because, well, I've been in the medical field for like 12, 13 years. So I've, it's all been emergency room based. And so like I've seen the nastiest of nasty stuff and like I just got used to it. And I was like, and I, I was a mil, uh, medic in the Air Force too. So I pretty much would do IVs all the time. So I was like, whatever, you know, I'm used to it. So I'll just do it myself. And so, you know, it's 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 pretty like I I feel bad for the people that like struggle actually you know that they don't want to use a needle and inject themselves because I've I've heard stories of people like like a girl she passed away because she was deathly afraid of needles and she wouldn't take her insulin so she would try to make diet and she just went into a coma and, and pretty much died just because she couldn't take her she couldn't use the needles which is like super sad but I mean. Yeah, I I think uh, at that point it's more than the needle. That yeah, was something. Yeah, yeah, that was going at her. I I can't imagine not doing something just to save your life. Mm-hmm. So, but it is. I mean, it can be it can be pretty devastating at times. Yeah, you know, you have the ups and downs. Not just I mean mentally, on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I stayed with you know basic working out, and then um, my brother was really big into CrossFit, and this. During this time, I started playing soccer when I was 45. Because when I was growing up, women didn't play sports. They did, a few did, and, you know, but it just wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And I I really enjoyed being active, but I started playing soccer at 45 and was really heavily into soccer at that point in time. And did till, you know, I started CrossFit, which I transitioned out of soccer to CrossFit. And that was that was pretty awesome until it, you know, wrecked my hands. And <laughs> I mean, it's long-term diabetes problems too, but yeah. my hands just couldn't take it anymore. So mm-hmm. it put, it got me into a spot that I had, I had to actually stop. I couldn't do it anymore, but I loved it. Yeah. So would you wear gloves throughout the whole thing or just grips no. or no? Uh, no, I actually, I, you know, I did it for two years. I did really well at it. Uh, the 2014 CrossFit Open, I placed 40th worldwide Dang. in my age group. That's awesome. Yeah, well, you know, I did better in, what's interesting is I did better in the the uh, wads that had deadlifts, mm-hmm. box jumps, things that were more my my cup of tea, mm-hmm. wall balls, that kind of thing. But when it came to snatches and, <laughs> you know, cleans and all that other stuff, I'm not... Well, I started at 56, so, you know, a little stiff around the edges, and it just didn't, you know, there were some things that I really struggled at, no matter how hard I tried, but I was, when I pick up a sport or anything, I, I'm super competitive, mm-hmm. so I just take it, I take it to the max. My brother's been to the CrossFit Games four times. So oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah. So he got me into it, and, you know, I loved it, but my fingers started catching when I was a lot of pull-ups you know over and over and over again excessive gripping and I noticed all of a sudden my fingers started triggering Mm -hmm. and a few of them and by the time I I couldn't even do it anymore I had to stop and I went to see a hand doctor down at UCLA and he said well how many 
fingers do you think you have that are trigger fingers? And I said, well, maybe three or four. And he goes, no, they all are. So, and this is, he goes, you have, I can tell by looking at your hands, you have had diabetes a long time, which I thought was interesting. I'd never heard of that before, but it does, you know, over time thicken your tendons. Mm -hmm. So with that and the activity that I was doing, it was just a bad mix. Yeah. Yeah. So had lots of surgeries and I tore my bicep tendon, had that fixed all within a few months. All, and that, that was a long, uh, long ago injury that, that kind of reared its ugly head with CrossFit too. Yeah. So got that all fixed up and I ended up being, um, kind of, uh, out of it for a little, it took me a little bit to come back, but I was determined to, you know, it, it was, it was a rough year. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And then when I finally healed up and came back, um, I realized that, you know, I can't do excessive gripping, but I still want to lift weights. And I thought, you know, I talked to my brother for a while about, I said, what can I do to lift weights, you know, just so that I don't aggravate my hands and cause I could squat and I won't be excessive gripping. I can, I can deadlift. That's going to take a little work. Yep. And then, um, bench press, you know, we talked about that. That was another thing that I've never actually done bench press until recently before. So, uh, it was just a, a matter of talking to him and then starting on my own to try to figure it out, but to get gain strength back in my hands. Cause I almost lost the use of my left hand through out this because I had so much inflammation from all the surgeries mm-hmm. that I couldn't close my hand and I was a mess, but you know, uh, here I am. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got into powerlifting, which is like super cool. And when did you start getting into powerlifting? What was what was your age when you got in? Uh, I was sixteen. Okay. And then, yeah. so what? What are the? What are your numbers right now? Like, what are your totals for like all three lifts? Um. Okay. So my totals. Good question. Um. Uh, I'm not really good with the numbers, but I'll, so I've got uh, my total deadlift is a three thirty six. Um. Bench is one fifty and squat is two seventy. Wow! So I'm I'm around seven thirty seven fifty somewhere in that range. I don't know, but yeah. um, right now I'm this is me. I'm competitive and I'm looking at OpenPowerlifting.com, seeing where I, my standings are, and also on USPA because I I try to do drug tested meets, but I've done a couple of uh, non tested meets. And uh, open powerlifting, though, for all-time squat, I'm fourth in the world, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And I think if I, hopefully if there's another meet coming soon down the road or even next year, um, I can probably bump myself up a little closer to the top. Very cool, very cool. So yeah. So what's the diff, what are the different um, areas? Because I know there's like a raw group of powerlifters, and what are the other, like, what are the other ones? The ones that have like the lifting suits or... Is that like the upper right, wrist so Yeah, it starts with raw, which you can wear knee sleeves and wrist straps and a belt. Then there's classic raw where you can wrap your knees, and that's it, you know. And then the rest, it's all single ply, multi ply, which I have no interest in. I, to me, at my age, just to do raw powerlifting is pretty awesome, and I. You know, it's nice to have a belt and knee sleeves and wrist straps for, yeah. you know, just for in general. But, um, yeah, no, I'm sticking with raw. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, those suits must be super expensive just for, 
all like yeah. all those guys what those guys use, which is like insane. Well, not just that, but I have to eliminate every bit of um, like pulling the shirts on and doing things and gripping for me to try to do that with my hands is it's not the easiest thing. I still do struggle at times. I have to do ice baths, you know, things like that with my hands when they get inflamed, but it's more my fingers and not the palms of my hand, which is nice because I can, you know, my palms are really strong now. Yeah. But to pick a plate off the ground, like a taking, picking up a quarter off the ground, Mm -hmm. if you can envision the similarities is much harder for me with my fingertips and it. So I have to get it over to an edge to pull it up. Yeah. So I've just had to adapt, which has been fine. I mean, you're killing it. You're, you're killing it. So, I mean, you're doing pretty good. I'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the same way as you, as you. Like, I'm super competitive. Like, when I, when I'm back when, like, the CrossFit gyms were open... I would go to this class on Saturday and there was like this 18-year-old kid that was like half my size and I'm like, I- I'm going to beat him. I gotta- I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. <laughs> but like when it came to like running or pull-ups, like he's half my size. So like he just, he's like, he's a cross-country, he was a cross-country cross country oh. guy. And then like his pull-ups, like I videotaped it. I'm like, how is this kid beating me? There's no, there's no way, no way. And so then I look at it, every two of his is one of my pull-ups. And I'm like, this is... All right, I I can't I can't win on that, but like, I was I killed him on the heavier weights, so I was, I was happy with that. <laughs> I I know where your head's at though. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. I do because I when I did CrossFit, I a lot of the times in the box it was just I was the oldest I was the only older person there, the only one, and this is the same way at powerlifting meets too. I've only done one meet. Actually, I've done two or three that have had women that were my in my age category too. And the rest of them, I've been by myself. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot less fish in the pond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, and even in the Air Force, I was, my main goal was to like run circle. I was in my late, tw- I think it was 27 when I, yeah, my 27 when I first got into the Air Force. And I, my main goal was just to run circles with like during the PT test with around like, run circles around the 18 year old kids that are just coming in. And like just absolutely embarrass them. Because I, that was just, that was just the way I was, so. <laughs> but uh, I understand. yeah, yeah. So, how are your sugars uh, while you train? Are they, do they main? Do they pretty much stay stable a lot? Or um, at, at first, I struggled because um, you know my coach was testing, you know, to see what my maxes were and stuff. And you know, I every time I push myself really hard, I do have spikes, and they're not drastic spikes. They're they're more of just a gradual rise but they don't stop Mm -hmm. they just keep going so I in the very beginning the first I'm going to say like the first year I really struggled with um, highs during training and I didn't typically I've never really typically bottomed out after working out more I would stay high Mm -hmm. so I would have to learn how to adjust so before I would finish my training I would take more insulin so that I would level off and then have to watch myself through the night to make sure that I don't bottom out. But after time, I've been powerlifting for almost three years now and I would say into the second year with routine and doing the same thing every day, not necessarily, not every 
day, but same training schedule every week and keeping a somewhat same same pattern every week, I could see the difference start to happen. Yeah. I, I was becoming a lot more stable. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm gonna stick with this be- until I can't do it anymore, only because I feel feel so much better than I did in CrossFit. I'm not sore at night like I used to be. I can sleep. I mean, actually, CrossFit used to wake me up in the middle of the night. I was aching and sore because I just balls out, go for it yeah. all the time. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't do that with powerlifting, and I do a lot more mobility work than I even did with CrossFit is great um but i just noticed a big difference in my blood sugar because i think my, my body's just uh it's, you know homeostasis it's used to it now. yeah yeah so I what mean, I, this last week has have been really it's been really crummy and i can't even explain why yeah i have no idea but i've had a lot of highs this last week you know I've changed everything out whatever there's just sometimes there's no rhyme or reason yeah and it is what it is just just blame co- just blame covid for it so yeah, <laughs> I couldn't do that. I'm sitting on my butt a lot. Yeah, it's like ah, 2020. It's 2020. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, good. so when you're maintaining, like when your blood sugar is like kind of maintained, do you kind of like typically eat the same foods or like what's your diet typically like while you're while you're training? Um, well, it's pretty much the same all the time. Um, you know, I do. I base my carbs around my workouts, so I'll have you know, and when I when I have carbs. Other than when I'm working out, you know, obviously I'm taking more insulin. Mm-hmm. But um, when I'm like on a training day, I will do like a light protein carb before I go work out, and then when I'm done, I'll finish with a good carb protein meal. Okay. And you know, lots of veggies. I do a lot of veggies, but you know, mostly um, I try to keep the carbs fairly low. Other times when I'm not training. Mm-hmm. And just try to cycle those right around my workouts, or you know, I go to the park with my dog quite a bit, and you know, run around with her. So, you know, there's just all these little off things that I do too. But mainly, you know, I don't avoid carbs. I'm not on a low carb diet. I've tried every diet known to man, uh, you know, since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. uh, 1982. And, um, the, the thing that works for me best, and I, I hate the word paleo, but I kind of stick to that to some degree mm-hmm. but it, it works best for me yeah i mean i mean i i totally agree like there's there's actually some, there's some diets that are good for some people and they're they're really bad for other people it's kind of like you just have to kind of test yourself out to see you know what's good for you so well and also the sport that you do too yeah you know I, honestly it makes a big difference it, it just does mm-hmm. yeah i agree because i i because when i was when i was a personal trainer I used to get asked like all the time, like, "What do you think about this diet? What do you think about that diet?" And I always tell them, like, "It, it, you got to test it out for yourself. It's because it's your body, you know." I could say, "Hey, this works for me," but be won't even work do anything for you. So it's like just, yeah. I always tell them, just eat on the outside of the eat eat on the outside of the supermarket. And that's it. Yeah. So yeah, that's all you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, I have, I have clients that say, "Well, what about the ice cream aisle?" And they're oh, like, "Yes." Yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally just had ice cream before I got on this podcast too. So, oh, I, I'm, oh, I'm a, I'm a, huge, I'm addicted to ice cream. It's so bad. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you and me both. Yeah. I, I mean, that is my, that is probably my biggest downfall. I can eat, I can sit down, 
and probably eat more ice cream than anybody in a single sitting. Yeah, yeah. I, I got my dad used to do that too, so I, I get it. I know I get it from my dad. Yeah, and that's it's a big thing in our family too. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like, there's a place called uh, Culver's, and it's they make this thing called a concrete mixer. You can put like whatever you want in it, and like it's like it's really salt. It's almost like the Dairy Queen like Blizzard, whatever it is, and like it's pretty much like every every second day, my wife's like, "You want to get ice cream?" And of course I'm gonna not, of course I'm not gonna say no, so you know and then like I try I tr- I tr- I try to say no today but you know I just it just didn't happen but whatever. And that's okay. You yeah. Know, I think uh, restricting too much can actually lead to lead the situation. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's just not good. I mean I never deny myself something unless you know I'm really feeling crummy then I don't. But mm-hmm. you no, know, we've got insulin to cover it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I just love the people that say, "Oh, are you allowed to eat that?" Of course I am. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, yeah. I can't imagine the stuff that I, people tell you. So. Oh well, yesterday I just had a conversation with. Uh, we were building a house, and our, one of our subs was standing there, and he was asking me about my Dexcom, and he said, it "Started asking me all these really intense questions." He goes, "Oh, you got it bad." I'm like, "Yeah, I got it bad." <laughs> Whatever that's supposed to mean. Yeah. 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 I just I just love the people that say like, oh, how are you a diabetic? You're like so fit. I don't get it. And it's like it's it's yeah. yeah, It's like it's it's not that. But you know, I mean, all all the diabetics that listen to this, I completely know what we're talking about. So and it's absolutely yeah. Yeah. It's it's annoying, but so were you were you training at a gym before like all this COVID nineteen stuff happened? I sure was, and um, you know, it was a. I live in a really small town in Northern California, and it's a really old school powerlifting gym. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dumbbells are from a local prison here. Nice, nice. <laughs> a few of them are like, uh, who lifts those? You know? Yeah. They're ridiculous, but um, yeah, and but they had to close. This is their second time closing, and what happened was a couple friends of mine that uh, they were actually going to start their own gym. So they had a bunch of stuff in storage and they couldn't do anything with it. And I said, hey, can I borrow it? And they let me borrow, that's the rack I have in my garage is a yep. borrowed rack. I have one on order. But um, so during this whole time, they let me borrow it. The gyms opened back up and they realized they couldn't open up the gym. So they wanted to sell it. And I, raising my hand, hey, talk to me, you know. So I actually just uh, last month, purchased all their equipment from my garage oh cool very cool which I'm really happy with um, I loved working out at the gym and I noticed I'm a little more disciplined obviously at the gym you mm-hmm. know I, I'm there yeah. for a reason and I can't go in and out of the house for any other you know for stupid stuff and I noticed that I'm not doing as much as I was with my core and all this other stuff but but I typically train alone. I've always trained alone. I've never really trained with anybody. Mm-hmm. And I'll sometimes need a spotter or something, but very rarely. And I loved meeting and talking to people. I always stayed down there longer just chit-chatting with yeah. people. But I, working out at home for me is no big deal because I've pretty much always trained alone. You know, mm-hmm. it's more like, hey, how you doing at the gym? Yeah. And talking a little bit, and then I get back on my thing. Yeah. And, and honestly, there's really nobody there that follows my program. I'm super disciplined with rest times and all that stuff. 
and my husband and I used to work out together and he'd sit there and you know start reading in between sets and I'm like yeah this isn't working yeah you're you're just (laughs) you're this is a wash all your gains are a wash now you can't work like this so I basically went out on my own and have been ever since yeah I I hear so when do you typically train uh in your in your garage um mid-morning uh depending on our work because we do build we build houses so Mm -hmm. it just depends on the day and the physical activity I have with that too because we pretty physical on the job but um lately it's been really slow so typically mid-morning or later afternoon I don't late in the evening or evenings I can't sleep at night yeah I don't sleep well if I train late Mm -hmm. and early morning I'm old takes me a while to warm up (laughs) yeah really seriously uh, honestly it takes me longer to warm up which is fine it forces me to do more mobility work which I really need and I think it's helped me with all my lifts Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Yeah, because uh, yeah. when uh, with this whole COVID stuff happening, they closed all the gyms. I was training in my basement because I have like a whole set. If you probably saw my Instagram, but uh, I have like a whole yeah. set. But I would train from like eight p.m. to ten p.m. and it was like, wow. and I'd finish eating at seven and wait an hour and then start working out. And then there would like be days, there'd be times where I take a little bit too much insulin and I like bottom out and like I just I can't work out during the day. So now it's I don't eat till seven, and I wake up at like five o'clock in the morning, and I work out from like like six to seven thirty, and I and I just I feel like it's a lot better for me because I can't work out at night because it's just miserable, and it's the basement, it's in the middle of Georgia, like it's stupid oh. hot, yeah. So now you're you're MDI, right? Multiple daily injections. Yeah, 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 yeah. I take a pen. Yeah, I use a pen. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why I went off. The- or off of, you know, when pens came out, which was really funny, I was selling real estate and, you know, they actually had a clip and it was like a pen you in your pocket. Yeah, they still have it. They still have it. Oh my God. Well, I don't want to know about it because I'm never going back. <laughs> but I decided, you know, I actually, before I started playing soccer, I thought, you know, I can't just go and do a pickup game anytime I want if I'm injecting. It's not you have to be a lot more regimented with your schedule Mm -hmm. and I'm not that way I'm more like you know hey let's just go do this and I realized that the pump was the way for me to to go so that gives me a lot more flexibility with my schedule too because I can ramp back the insulin or ramp it up whatever I need to do Mm -hmm. or take off my pump but I don't have that you know that insulin circulating in my system I you know unless I bolus but Typically, I know if I'm going to be working out, I don't do that, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it gives me a lot more freedom with my schedule. Yeah, you, usually when I wake up, my numbers are pretty pretty good, except for like if like some outlier happens that you know it goes up, and I'll just take a little bit of insulin and then just work out and it'll be perfectly fine. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I'm and I'm working on getting a pump because I don't have a pump or a Dexacom or anything like that. So it's oh gosh, yeah, like the, it's funny to talk about Dexacom. So I've been trying to get on Dexacom, and this guy from like California has been calling me at like nine o'clock at night, trying to like, and I'm like, "Who is this?" Like I'm, you know, and he's like, "Oh, it's from Dexacom, you know, we're trying to get you ready to go and stuff like." Can like you call me like a little bit earlier, or you know, or you know, because it's like I understand it's California time, but still, you got to figure out like you know, I have a Massachusetts number, so it's like you may want to, you know, call me a little bit earlier. 
But, yeah, they're twenty four seven now. They never used to be, but yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't even remember how I even got along with that one. I don't know. I'm so dependent on it now. It's almost like you know, once I have to change it out. Though that two hours, that two hour window waiting for it to warm up is. I'm checking myself all the time, and you know, I used to be pretty neurotic uh, when I was first diagnosed. I had graphs, and I. I had an eight and a half by 11 sheet every day. I'd make graphs. It was like dot to dot, you know, and I do that every day. Take it into my doctor, but I had to, because we had kids and I, you know, had to go through two pregnancies being Mm -hmm. diabetic and stuff. So it was, you know, I had to do a a lot more homework. Yeah. Now you just look at your, you know, we didn't even have cell phones yet. Yeah. (laughs) So now I can just, you know, they just download everything. It's like, woo, yeah. this is great. Yeah, I, I, I love technology. Yeah, I was on the Libre for like a month because my neighbor, he was a diabetic. He gave it to me for free. And like I would put it on. I'd scan I'd scan it like – I'd probably scan it like 15 times a day. And then like when I put the new sensor on, you have to wait 12 hours for it to go through. And I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll just put it on like right before I go to bed, you know, and I'll wake up and, it, you know – and then, like later on, I'll just check my finger, prick my finger, and check it, and then just scan it. But I don't know. I, I mean, I've had some huge number difference differences from pricking my finger to the Libre, like at least like 120 points. So I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, you guys got to make this better or something. So, but yeah. some it can happen with Dexcom, but it's not very common at all. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. <laughs> but uh, so who who actually so. How do you still have like the motor? We're talking about the garage workout. So how do you feel? How do you still get motivated while in your garage, and compared to being in the gym? Because that's that's another issue that I've had down downstairs too. Right. Well, for me, um, I always set my sights on. A, I have a major goal. Always, you know, I, when I started playing soccer, I wanted to be on the A team, mm-hmm. and it didn't. You know, it didn't take me too long because I worked really hard at it. And I got there fairly quickly but you know I always set my sights on something like for instance I have I am signed up for a meet in November which I kind of doubt that's going to happen <laughs> because it's going to be in the LA area yeah. of California and I really don't think it's going to happen it's a drug tested meet but um, it's where there's world judges and I, I want to go break my world records that I already have and I thought well you know this would be a great opportunity for me to do it, but at the same time, it may not happen. So I'm training for that. I always like to set goals, and then I break it down small and keep my eye on the prize yeah. in the back of my mind. But you know, I know when I go out there that that's lurking in the back. But but um, if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to have like a mock meet at home or whatever and do my thing and just see if I can beat my my former numbers, you know, yeah. which I, I'm pretty sure I can. Awesome. But yeah, I just, uh, it's, I don't know what it is. My whole family's competitive. We always are like, you know, I'll get on, I'm looking at who's got what records and what can I do to get past that? That's just who I am. Yeah. I, it, it's kind of, it's not, it, has, it hasn't been to my detriment yet. My coach has to reel me in every now and then. Mm-hmm. Just hey, you know, He's really good with keeping me in check. Like you know, this is this is a, it's not a race like a sprint. Yeah. No. So that's how we how he's 
trying to feed that into my brain all the time. I'm trying to remember it. So very cool, very cool. Yeah. So who's who's your coach? Uh, my coach is uh, Rodney Miller, who is type one. He's been type one since he was four. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's amazing. Um, he's a, does strongman, powerlifting. He's been he's been my coach from the beginning. Uh, I you know we talked. He saw me. I posted a. a squat video in a group that I admin it's type 1 diabetic athletes mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm like you know hey I'm flailing I don't know where to go from here I already hit my max squat that I hit the year before after all the surgeries I finally got back to it and I don't know where to go from here and he messaged me and he said let's talk you know so we had a, a meeting like we're having now and we talked and I'm like I, I'm in let's do this yeah you know, I think I can do it he knew he knew what I was dealing with with my hands and then um, then my, my bicep being reattached and stuff. And um, I had another injury with my bicep. Actually, it wasn't an injury. I had melanoma on my bicep that I had to have part of my muscle cut out, mm-hmm. which actually caused quite a bit of an issue doing push-ups and stuff. Oh, yeah. I can um, imagine, you know, yeah. Because my nerves were having to reattach and part of my muscle was gone. So yeah. I'm like, oh, this is great what next you know <laughs> but I got past that you know and I still you know it looks a little funky like Popeye muscle now but whatever it works and they got all the melanoma so that's good but um so he got me through all these things you know like I have knee soccer problem with my knee and he's worked me through that and I've never felt better you know he just knows just tells me what to do when I'm having little issues here and there and He's been great. Yeah, so I, I train four days a week. We kind of set that up. That's a good schedule for me. And he takes into account my age. Yeah. I'm going to be 64 on Saturday. Oh, yeah. congratulations. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, I'll be in a whole new category by the time things open up with COVID. I think I'll be in the 65 to 69 group. Yeah. Because that'll be next July. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, well, what are the records there now? Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Like, you could probably ne- knock out the world records in that, uh, that age group. I've already looked. Nice, nice. So how does your coach actually tra- like schedule your programming for four days a week? Like, what, do you, what does he typically do? Does he do, like, a certain lift, like, one day, or does he does, like, all three every four days? Right. So he lives in Texas. I live in California, and it's all online. We do a lot of videos, and we chat typically don't call each other unless we really have to it's mostly just chatting on messenger and sending videos every week but um i have a squat day on monday Uh, i train four days a week so it's either monday tuesday uh thursday saturday or monday wednesday friday saturday is typically what i like to do um and monday i have a squat day a bench day and a deadlift day and then the fourth day is called cleanup which is a lot of Accessories. It's just all the things I missed during the week yeah. that I need to work on, like push presses and, you know, max pull-ups and push-ups and, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like banded, mar- like banded marches, too, or does he have you do yeah. that at all? Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of, a lot of stuff that's, um, you know, you, you don't, you want to focus on, like, squat day. I focus on doing, like, Bulgarian split squat. Yeah. Pause squats and all these other things and if I did much more than you know so many different exercises for squat I would be taxed yeah so he just 
piles it all onto the last day. Okay. Which has worked out really well, and I video specific lifts when he has pushes up the weight or whatever, and at the end of the week I send him videos of everything, and then he, it's all RPE based, and then he just adjusts from there. Okay, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So obviously you, you, you were planning on the competition in November, was there anything like next year that you had any plans for, any competitions at all, or? Well, I, not specifically, no, but if this blows up in November, nothing happens, I have to try to pace myself a little more carefully because um, if they do postpone it, I don't foresee it happening early next winter, you know, the beginning of 2021 even, mm -hmm. just with everything going on. Um, but if I max out in November, I need, I need recovery time. Yeah. I've done six meets in less than three years, and I really shouldn't be doing more than two meets a year, so I'm try to focus on meets that have world judges that are drug tested yeah only because i know that you know i've got those records and i try to beat my own records and and if like what happened last year was um in june someone broke my all my records at um, i don't know it was vegas it was the big uspa thing and they broke all my records and i'm like oh that was a good kick in the butt yeah so in July, I had my meet, and I knew there were world judges there, so I thought, I got one month, I'm going to go, I'm going to go take them back. Yeah. I <laughs> and nice. I even broke a couple ribs in the meantime while I was training for meat prep, oh, but I geez. still took my records back. Nice, <laughs> nice. So, in, in November, if it doesn't go through, do you think you're going to take, like, a month off, or, like, take an excessive, like, break, or, like, what's, what's the I game plan? I probably will take, um at the very least four months okay at the very very least i probably wouldn't even compete again until early summer or late late spring mm -hmm. at the very earliest okay because you know i could do a lot of uh, hypertrophy yeah and and just try to you know um stick with what he's got me doing you know it's it's i'm in this for the long haul and i don't want to get injured and so far you know i'm sleeping good at night i feel really good it's it's working really well and and I'm happy. I mean, this last meet I did, it was a non-drug tested meet. And I just did it for the fun because it was close to home. Yeah. And and I went and I broke my state records and stuff, but it was still it was a blast, you know. Yeah. And I actually that was the second meet I went to without a handler. And when you're diabetic at a meet and you're giving your attempts and trying to warm up by yourself and all this other stuff and check your blood sugar, it's pretty nerve-wracking yeah and I didn't think I could do it but I've, I feel pretty confident I can now very cool yeah. I mean you got the Decicom and everything you just all you need to do is just look at your phone and there you go so yeah I think my panic was getting low right yeah before an attempt, and I'm like oh my god yeah there's nobody here what am I gonna do you know mm -hmm. or, I, I don't know but I, I've, I have survived yes you have so um, I noticed you actually have a YouTube channel too as well so how did that all come about? Well, okay, so um, a year ago, I did the San Jose Fit Expo, mm -hmm. and um, it's really bizarre, but I had, when I broke my ribs, I was moving trusses at our job site, and I tripped over a big mound of dirt, and I fell on the trusses, and I 
broke a couple ribs. I didn't know it. I knew at the time I did something that wasn't good. Yeah. And I went for an x-ray several days later. They didn't even tell me I broke my ribs, but I ended up at the doctor's office, and he said, you have a nodule in your lung. So I thought I had lung cancer and I was going to die. And I didn't know till after the meet that it was actually a lesion from valley fever. But at the time, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be like my last meet. You know, I, I really I was had a really rough time last summer. Mm-hmm. I had two months of where um, I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I kept to myself. And this young videographer at the gym offered to do a video. He goes, no, I'd love to love to video your meet. And he set it up. He set up my whole YouTube and everything for me. Cool. Because he's a young videographer. You know how they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's do some content. Blah blah blah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're gonna have to help me with this because. Uh... Yeah. That, that that's that's what that's with me and my wife. Like she she has like forty two thousand followers on Instagram and like because she's a fashion. Yeah, it's insane. Like she's like a fashion. Uh, you know, lifestyle blogger, and so like I'm like, there's some captions I look at it, and I'm like, I don't even know what to write. Like, just what do you what do you think? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the YouTube, he he just put my the video that he did on YouTube. He linked it on my Instagram. Yeah. So he actually changed my whole Instagram profile and everything. I'm like, just do this for me, because you know, <laughs> I'm old. Yeah. And so he did, and he fixed up my YouTube, which was really super nice. And he's actually the one I bought the equipment from, too. Oh, cool. Very good friend of mine. Uh, great kid. Um, anyway, that was really sweet. And, uh, you know, I don't have, I hardly have any followers or anything, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, I mean, but hopefully. It's a, it's a great video that he did. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you'll get some followers from this podcast, so. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you have like I, I think I, I was looking at it. I, I didn't get a chance to see like most of the videos. I think you have like six or four, four to six or something like that on there. I believe. I honestly don't even know. I have a lot of them that are unlisted because they're all for my coach. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I did have to create one for that, but I probably have um, yeah maybe six or seven or something. There's a group called Old Ladies Lift. There's mm-hmm. a huge uprising in older women lifting weights and yeah. lifting and stuff, which is very cool. Yeah. And um, I think she actually put my picture on her website, but um, she's posted all my videos on, on their uh, YouTube link also. So that's kind of how it all got linked up. Okay, cool. Are you, are you looking but, to do like more videos at all or kind of like a vlogging style or whatever, what have you and your video, videographers figured out? I haven't seen him lately, and you know, I'm kind of, uh, I, I don't know where to begin. I'm honestly, I'm not very techy. Yeah. My kids aren't around to show me, so we're <laughs> being isolated, not being techy really sucks. Yeah, I mean, you could just use your phone and start videotaping those and just being like, hey, you know, this is my typical training cycle, and then like do, <laughs> do lifts, and then like send all the videos to the videographer kid, and be like, here, you need to edit this, and then you can no, like, that's true. and then you can post it. And then you, you know he could put a, his, he could put his information like in the in the detail list, and there you go. I mean, get the both best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't pushed that hard with it yet. Yeah, you know? I think you should. I mean, you already have like a couple world records and everything like that, and you're an absolute savage. So I mean, I thought I well, think I I think I think it'd be perfect. So. Well, well, you might be the push I needed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so, 
we're almost getting to the close to the end. So, and I also I forgot to ask in the beginning, what if you don't mind me asking, like what uh, what medications do you take for for your insulin, like the long lasting and short acting? Oh, I only use Humalog. Oh, okay. Because I'm on a, I'm on a pill. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I used to do NPH and regular and mix clear before cloudy and all that other good stuff. But uh, when you go on a pump, you only need one insulin, and that's uh, short acting. Yeah. And there, are, there are people that add like Fiasp and this really fast, super fast acting in there and stuff. But I just, for me, I just uh, I don't like to play around too much because yeah, I. I just don't. I, I'm, you know, I'm not that adventurous <laughs> as far as that kind of stuff goes. Yeah, you're kind of like a creature of habit, like me. Just yeah, like you, you like yeah, to, you I've like the same thing. A, I've had a couple really bad incidents. I've almost died a couple times from lows and stuff. So yeah. I really, I, I don't like to, uh, you know, I just can't do it. Yeah. So what's the lowest low you've ever had? Um. Get ready for this. Twelve. Oh. <laughs> I had 18 one time at last last Christmas Eve. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Uh, so I actually rolled over onto my husband in the middle of the night, and I started having really bad seizures. And obviously, everybody was around me at that point. You know, the ambulances and everything came. And mm-hmm. They took me to the hospital. They couldn't get a body temp. They had to wrap me in stuff to get my body temperature up. I was having – I thought I was having a stroke. But it was, I was having massive seizure, seizures, yeah. and um, and I didn't have a Dexcom, and ever since then, it's like, I'm not going to be without one. Yeah. I, I, I was really exhausted. I was up and down all day long. I was changing from Thanksgiving to Christmas decorations, and I was just, I was a wreck that day with my blood sugars, mm-hmm. and went, I was just conked out at night and didn't wake up. Yeah. That's crazy, because like usually if I get low when I in the middle of the night, I'll wake up for some reason. Then I'm like, okay, either I have to go to the bathroom or I get stand up and I'm like, okay, I need to eat something. So I'll just like go downstairs and eat something. Like I've never not waking up from a low. So I I don't know why, but it, it's it's super interesting. Like even when I hit that 18 number during Christmas Eve, I was like wrapping wrapping up Christmas presents. I stood up and I almost like keeled over from like just being oh, complete, yeah. completely out of it and. I like literally beelined it, checked my sugar, literally beelined it to the Santa's cookies and just like started going to town on those things. And oh, it man. it was super weird. Like I've never, I've, the the other time I was 24 at, when I was working in the hospital emergency department and I was just walking around and like, I was, I worked, I used to work at a children's hospital. So we used to, I used to hold kids down when they had to get an IV. And so, oh, great. yeah, yeah. So I mean, in, in a good way, it's not like wrestling moves or anything like that. So, yeah, no. but, um, uh, I was ready to do it, and then my the charge nurse looks at me. She's like, "Are you okay? Like, you you look a little off." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine. What do you mean?" And then I can check my blood sugar. It's like 24, and she's like, "Sit your ass down. There's oh, there's apple juice right behind you and graham crackers. Oh, just yeah. eat those and just go to town." And yeah. I'm like, "Okay, but you yeah, know." When it happens, you know that's why I never go anywhere without any you know type of fast acting glucose. Yeah, never ever. And the one thing I did learn from that one incident, though, uh, my daughter's boyfriend at the time was a firefighter, and he said, I want you to get a box, plastic box, put your glucagon in there, put juice, put Skittles, put a menagerie of low blood sugar items in there, and right on the box, low blood sugar kit, and anywhere you sleep, you have that next to you. 
Smart, and I've yeah. Always, I've done it ever since then, and I feel pretty feel pretty good now. You know, although yeah. that night I didn't wake up, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, wouldn't help then. But but still, that was a highly unusual thing. Yeah, uh, but it's it's important to keep things close I actually that that's a smart idea with that box because I actually I need to do that because I usually when I hit yeah. lows I'll I'll eat like a peanut butter sandwich and that's it and so I mean yeah so I do I have a tube of frosting a box of juice glucagon raisins um really fast acting sugars yeah those for, and then you know and then you can go to the fridge for your sandwich or whatever <laughs> but get get that juice down or something that's fast so yeah that's what I do okay very cool so we're getting close to the end. So I got like, like four more questions for you. So um, you talked about you talked about in November you wanted to do another meet and break your records. But do you have other than that? Do you have anything else that you want to accomplish within like the end of the year at all? As far as powerlifting or just anything? Any, in anything. Um. Yeah. Okay. What I want to do is start an Etsy store because I do a lot of crocheting. Okay. And I, you know, I my room is starting to fill up with projects here. And it's like, uh oh, this is getting serious. Yeah. So yeah, I want to start an Etsy store. That's my goal. I actually I need to do that by fall. Yeah. Okay. That is that is a major goal of mine. Yeah. I, I have a lot of people tell me you really need to do this, and I'm just there. Here comes the tech part of me is it, it freezes me up. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I'll figure it out. You, YouTube. It YouTube. So my actually my wife had an Etsy store too. She used to make uh custom made like fabric handbags which were like oh. which pretty much I had to help her out too but yeah it it, <laughs> it went it went really well it, it got to the point where like it was just taking way too much time for her and it was just so she just yeah. shut it down but she she did really good with it but you know it's you could yeah. do you should you could make a killing on Etsy if you're really if you're really good at it yeah that's 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 my goal something way off but yeah yeah I mean you could definitely do it you should do it that and YouTube so yeah okay I'll, I'll remember <laughs> yeah so um so another question is do you have like a favorite book like a self-help like fictional or like biography or like a fitness book that you like to read or you know you always like recommend to other people um yes i have one um for this is a really good one and i i i know i've met gary shiner i don't know if you know the book but it's think uh think like a pancreas Oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just got his new um, new uh, book. It's a new edition. But I love it. He's also type one, has been um, for thirty some odd years. And what I like about it is you can refer to it anytime, no matter how long you've been diabetic, mm -hmm. newly diagnosed, thirty eight years like me, doesn't matter. It it there are it's the nuts and bolts of how to test your basal rates. Um, you know, what to do when you're active with your, you know, with your basal and your, and your bolusing and all this stuff. It's just, you can just go back and refer to certain chapters just for the items that you're struggling with at that point in time. Mm -hmm. I love that book. It's really the best, uh, the best one I think for any diabetic. Okay. Very cool. So, um, what would you tell, a new person that's getting into powerlifting, what to expect while training and doing a competition? Um, for a type one. Or a type one or anybody, pretty much. You, oh. can, you can do, let's do, let's, let's do type one. That's fine, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I wasn't sure. <laughs> but um, 
I think I would tell them to uh, for their first meet is to go in and uh, don't be confident of your lifts. Go in and do make sure that you hit every first lift on the platform of the squat, bench, and deadlift with confidence. That you know you can hit that three times with ease. Because after that, it's all it's all great, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you bomb out on one lift, you're you're done for the whole meet. So you just want to get a total and build on that. And um, that first lift is the scariest of them all. It's all the anxiety building up to the meet, putting in your attempts and stuff. But once you get that first squat out of the way, it's you know there's still adrenaline flowing, but it, it it's just so much fun. It yeah. is. So much fun, and honestly, no matter what you do out there, everybody cheers you on, even when you fail. I mean, that's how great the community is. I just love it because great, you set a record or whatever, but I've seen older women out there deadlift 150 pounds, and the crowd is cheering. They're all out there for each other. It's it's a pretty welcoming, um, uplifting community. Yeah, I, I've not, seen. Don't, don't be afraid. Yeah, I've se- I've seen videos of people like cheering and like even like Olympic weightlifting competitions. Everyone's like super happy for like everybody and like just you know cheer yeah. them on, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so. it's just you want to be your best. Yeah. So last question. So where can everybody reach out to you if you have they have a question for you? Uh, I would say DMing me on Instagram is the best at fifty six. Frankie, F-R-A-N-K-I. Okay, so where, how did the, where did the 50, 56 come from? That's the year I was born. Okay. <laughs> and and the, that was back in the 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, well, thank you very much for doing this. I, I really do appreciate everything that, you know, you know, reaching back out to me on the DMs and then, like, doing this and scheduling it because I, I really wanted to hear your story, and I think – you know, there's a lot of people, you know, maybe hearing your story will, you know, push themselves to actually do something else, especially with like, you know, the your age and like, you know, saying like, you know, it age is not a handicap, you know, and, you know, and I, you know, I think that people can still do amazing things, even if they're diabetic or even like older, like you're older down, like, you know, down the road, you know, with, with age. I, I think it's a bonus. Yeah. I look at it as a bonus. Yeah. I mean, My I. doctor told me 30. Eight years ago, I wasn't going to be here right now, so I'm just, I'm going for it. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you very much, and yes. I hope you have a good rest of the day, okay? Yeah, thank you. Alrighty. All right. Bye-bye.